Romans chapter 12 this morning. We're going to get right in here. I'm going to do something a little different. I've been teaching through Romans chapter 12 on the spiritual gifts. And we're going to look down here at verse number 8. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, on, giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. We looked on that last week. And this morning we're looking at the seventh and the last spiritual gift of Romans chapter 12. Where it says, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. With cheerfulness. Now, the verse that goes along with that or extends that gift of mercy is in verse number 14. Where it says, bless them which persecute you. I'm sorry, not verse number 16, but uh, uh, verse 15. Verse 15, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. If you're going to be, if you have the gift of mercy, that'll be part of who you are is to rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. Now, we started off up there with the, the, in verse number six, with the spiritual gift of prophecy. We talked about that. Prophets can be rough. We talked about the use of it, the misuse of it. Bible says, though I have the gift of prophecy and don't have charity, it profits me nothing. Or ministry, verse number two, or teaching in verse number seven, I mean. And then the fourth one in verse number eight, exhortation. The fifth one, giving. And the sixth one, ruling. And the last one is mercy. You have 10 commandments given to you in the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Exodus. And the last of the 10 commandments is what? Who knows what the last commandment is? Thou shalt not covet. That is a foundational under all the 10. All 10 the, and all other nine of the 10 commandments that are broken are broken because we break number 10, thou shalt not covet. You don't want to steal anybody if anybody's got if you don't have a problem with covetous. You don't want to commit adultery if you don't have a problem with covetous. Everything that goes on, covetous is a base foundational uh, violation of God's word. It's kind of the same thing with this deal of mercy. Mercy is the seventh and the last spiritual gift that's given. You want to put that stuff up on your guide that you generally do with, that, with the gifts there? I have, at this point in my life and ministry, determined and believed for me that mercy may be the most important spiritual gift there is. And it's a gift that I'm lacking in. Maybe that's why I think it's so important. I want you to ask yourself a question. If somebody was to describe me, would they say that I am a merciful person? I'm a merciful person. Would they say, you know, one thing about him, he has a lot of mercy. Quit laughing, Don's in. You know I'm full of mercy. Just me putting up with you demonstrates the mercy that I have. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, but I'm going to be honest. With you. How many in here, if you had to live with somebody every day of your life, would rather be around a mercy or a prophet? Which one would you rather live with every day of your life? Huh? Mercy. How many is in favor of a mercy? Raise your hand. How many is in favor of a prophet? Raise your hand. Honey, you're in trouble. How many has ever needed mercy? There's a verse, and we're going to look at the scripture, but blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. The Bible said that God's mercy is new every morning. How many knows we need that every morning new? Mercy. 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 
I can do without a lot of things. I can do without giving. I can maybe do without exhortation. I probably can do without some ruling, some prophecy. I can probably do without some ministry. I can do without some teaching, but I'm going to tell you something I can't do without. And that's some mercy. Part of our whole essence of Christianity is mercy. And it's a, it's a basic foundational thing to God's nature that God is merciful. I want you to be thinking about something. How can God be just and yet merciful? How can God be just and yet be a merciful God? So we're going to look at the, if you happen to have these. By the way, if you don't have one of these, do, guys, do we have, how, how many said, Reggie, I would, boy, I was probably going to scare me. How many say I could stand one of those if you got an extra one? Would you raise your hand? Well, we don't have too many. A lot of people got it. If you don't have one of these, flag your hand. They're going to bring a bunch of them up through here. If you've got it, I want you to turn to the one where it's the characteristic, the gift of mercy this morning, all right? And we're going to get at folks. Now, let me tell you something. I know it's hot. It's so hot in here last Sunday night. I couldn't understand it. I was hot. I was bothered. <laughs> I was hot and bothered. And I was just hot. And it's hot now. And I don't know. We're going to buy, I think we're going to buy three big old air conditioner systems about the time it turns cool. We won't need them until next summer. But anyway... I don't, I don't like it when it's too hot in the church. What's it supposed to be like at about 7 o'clock this evening? Does anybody know? Somebody get your phone out and find out what temperature is supposed to be at 7. I know you got them. You got them on you. You know you got them. Huh? About the middle 80s. About the middle 80s. That's too hot. Amen. Boy, aren't you glad you ain't going to hell? Amen. All right. We're going to look at the characteristic of mercy this morning. And uh, so let's look, first of all, who is the person in the Bible that, that uh, you got? You put your hand up if you need a book. They've got one or two. Got one or two right up here, three. And they need some more right there. I hope we've got enough for everybody. But John is your man in the Bible about the gift of mercy. All right. Boy, look at there. Maybe hope you just had enough. You're, uh, I'm on page 26 on mine. I'm not sure what page is, but it's on the gift of mercy. About page 26 right in there. And Lord, I need your help. Uh, Lord, I know this won't be a different kind of message, different kind of service, but I pray the Holy Spirit will get in and guide it and uh, lead us and direct us. And Lord, that it'll be a blessing to our lives. God, I thank you for your mercy. Every day of my life, Lord, it's just mercy. Lord, without your mercy, I'll be in hell. I'm so thankful for a merciful God. Help us, Lord, today to get a hold of this somehow or another. Lord, may the mercy of God become part of who we are. May we look upon others with the same mercy, God, that we'd like to have. I want to thank you, Lord, for your mercy toward me. I want you to know, God, I appreciate it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' blessed name, amen. We're going to look at the characters. Now, I will say this, that every person has a spiritual gift. The, the goal here is try to get balanced out with our gifts. But I want you to know something before I start preaching. That in studying this and looking at this, mercy's taken on a whole new value to me. And it ain't that I didn't know about mercy. It's just the reflection to understand that I'm not real merciful, never have been. And um, I don't know, maybe it's coming with age or time. I don't know. 
But boy, this message means a lot to me. Number one, characteristics of mercy. They're deeply loyal to friends. On your book there, it says a person with the gift of mercy will demonstrate loyalty to a friend even by reacting harshly toward those who attack the friend. When the apostle John watched the Samaritans reject Jesus, whom he loved, John wanted to call fire down from heaven to consume. (laughs) Why did he want to do that? Because he rejected Jesus. And uh, merciful people are loyal to people. Generally speaking, if they use it right to be loyal to people. And um, I tell you, loyalty is something we need in our country. Amen. Amen. We need it in our families, need it in our churches. But I want you to look over here on the right. Now, I'm going to say this to you. I've been around a lot of mercy, people with the gift of mercy. I can spot the gift of mercy easier than I can spot any other gift. And the reason is because I'm a prophet. Now, let me say something to you. Uh, it is true that opposites attract each other. And oftentimes in marriage, you'll have a prophet and a mercy. And man, they got to figure that thing out. Okay. But uh, I, here's, here's why this thing means so much to me. Most of the people that have the gift of mercy misuse it. And the misuse of the gift of mercy is one of the most dangerous things to a church that can happen to it. And because of that, it causes someone like to me to react to a mercy when the guy with the mercy really had his intention wasn't bad. He was just misusing it. And I want you to see how he misused it right here. The first number one across from the characteristics you have the misuses of it. They'll have a tendency to take up offenses. The tendency of one with the gift of mercy is to take up an offense for somebody who's being hurt by another person, especially if the one being hurt is a friend. Before comfort is given, a prophet should find out what caused the hurt and an exhorter should give steps to properly respond. And you can take that whatever you want to. But here's what will happen to you if you're a mercy. Now you get this. Somebody do something to somebody you love. They didn't do it to you. They did it to somebody you love. And you get angry about it at that person that did that to them. Here's what it's called. If this here is an offense, this is going to be an offense. The offense was not toward you at all. But the offense was toward somebody you love. And so you picked up the offense. Even though it was not done to you, it was done to someone you love. Just show you how easy this is. Somebody does something to your children. Well, you pick up that offense, and I mean immediately, you just go into, if you're not careful, you listen to me. You may be a merciful person. You may have the gift of mercy, but you can spend most of your life in bitterness. Because you constantly take up, your your inclination is to protect people, to take up for people, to care about people, to care that they're hurt. This causes more church splits than about anything I know. Because of mercy will pick up the offense rather than dealing with it and looking at it from objectively and, and saying, hey, you know, everything is not my business and I don't know all what's going on. I'll pray for that situation, but you take it up. And so you walk into church and you see that person that hurt that other person in your mind or at least you heard they did or you think they did and you don't like them and you immediately you grieve the spirit of the church. You grieve the work of God because you have bitterness and anger in you toward that person. If you've discovered that you're a mercy, be real careful about that. It can ruin your life. It can rob you of relationships and friendships. It really can. I've, I've watched this. I mean, I've literally just watched 
good people destroy themselves because they couldn't, out of their loyalty to people, let an offense just kill them. This happens, and you don't even know it's happened. It'll tear you to shreds. You taking up an offense for somebody because you, you have this heart of mercy. You don't want people hurt. You can't stand to see people hurt. I want to tell you something. A lot of hurts in life are even orchestrated of God. Don't let it destroy you what God's doing in somebody else's life. Don't let it make you a bitter person. Mad at everybody. Bitter at everybody. I'm going to tell you something you can do. I've watched this. People get mad at a preacher because they felt like he didn't treat somebody right. They don't know the whole situation, don't know the whole story, but they have mercy toward it. And this, again, goes back to the thing. It's not that the person has bad intention. They're not just handling it. They're just not handling it right. Be loyal, but don't take up offenses for people. There are just some things God didn't put on you to worry about and to handle. You're not going to fix it most of the time. The second thing is they need deep friendships. I tell you, this stuff is so powerful. This stuff is so real. The very nature of a person with the gift of mercy usually requires close friendships. These friendships, however, must have mutual commitment, which is often reaffirmed. John enjoyed such a friendship with Jesus Christ. He not only was closer to Christ than most of the other disciples, but he referred to himself as, quote, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, isn't that, that's kind of, he don't love the rest of them, but he loves me. You know what John was? John is your mercy of of all the New Testament men. And you check him out. He over and over said that disciple whom Jesus loved. They'll have this need for close, close friendships. And I'm going to tell you what happened to you. This is why the misuses is when I see this, all I see is the misuse of. Now, listen to me. You will come in this church. A lot of you are new. And you like close friendships. And you need close friendships. And you're going to try to be a close friend to me, and I ain't going to do it. I ain't doing it. Sorry. That's just my nature. I want to be a friend, but I ain't going to be super, super close. Very, very few people I might get very close to. That's probably not the best thing, but it's just the kind of way I am. But there's also something else. I need, I need to be impartial. I need to be a friend to everybody who walks through that door. I don't need to just talk to a few guys in this church. I need to talk to everybody in this church. Okay? But if you come in here and you think, well, I'm going to be a super close friend. And then six months down the road, Reggie's acting like he didn't even know you as a church. What are you going to do? You're going to take up, you're going to take up an offense and say, he don't like me. He, he don't even say hi to me. He don't shake my hand. And your mercy is going to destroy you. Again, I'm going to tell you something. In 40 years of preaching, I have watched this. This morning I sat and I went over this and I just said, God, all I can see is 40 years of this stuff. And I'm telling you right now, we need, if you're a mercy, we need you so bad in this church, you cannot believe it. But we need you to use it right. I am serious with you. Just like we need prophets, but you need it used right. You don't need it misused. But whatever you do, don't. Here's what happens Satan will destroy a mercy so fast, it's crazy. Yeah. 
And the next thing you know, because you don't have these close relationships, you don't feel like I'm super close to you. <coughs> Can I just be honest with you all something this morning? None of you should feel like you have to have super close human relationships and, and friendships. You may not get it in life, but you do need that one and you can have that one. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And maybe the reason he's not letting you have these close friendships is so you'll get close to him. Here I am right handed. You all must be so super spiritually. I just I just preached to that whole crowd. Would somebody put a rope up here? So I got to go that way. But I'm serious with you. If you're not careful, you're aggravated because you, you, people, there was a, who was it? The, the group that sung the song, he wouldn't even shake my hand. Who was that? Anybody remember? Kingsman. Uh, what was the name of that song? Huh? Excuses. And one of the reasons we go to church, nobody shake his hand. Well, at least maybe we'll see. You know, I'm just being honest with you. You cannot, listen, be a close friend to your spouse. Amen. That's good. That's wonderful. But you know something? I'm going to tell you, hey, I'm going to tell you young preachers something, or you older preachers, whatever you are. Are the young preachers, middle-aged preachers, what are they? There's all kinds of things. Josh, you may want sometime, or, 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 or anyway, he's gone, Michael's gone. But you can't, I may act like something, Reggie doesn't care. You guys are trying to have these tent meetings, and we're trying to do this, and where's Reggie? He's out the farm. But I've told you, haven't I? I said, guys, this is your ministry. It's not my ministry. I'm going to back you up. I'm going to pray. I, I, this church will support you. We'll do everything we can. But if, but if he's not careful, the devil tell him, well, Reggie, really, 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 uh, Josh, Reggie doesn't like you. Really, Reggie's not for you. Michael, we're back here somewhere. You better get this. All you preachers better get it. Well, he didn't let me preach. He, he doesn't like me. You, you may be a mercy and you need, I don't know what you can be spiritually good, but you may need that. But I'm going to tell you something. You're going to find out in the, in the scope of life, there's nobody going to be a close friend to you like Jesus Christ is. And you need to make sure that you get it. And don't let yourself get destroyed because you walk into church and nobody says hi. Yeah. Nobody shakes your hand. Nobody says glad to have you here. That's not the name of the game. Now, we should be friendly, but that's not it. Now. Across from that, on misuse, becoming possessive. The deep need for commitment in a close friendship can cause one with the gift of mercy to, watch this, underline this in your book there, monopolize the time and attention of others. You don't want anybody else to talk to me. You think you're the one. I mean, you walk up there, they're talking to somebody else. They're supposed to stop talking to them and talk to you. Does that bug anybody besides me? Anyway, I know I shouldn't get bugged. Number three. A, 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 a mercy will empathize with hurting people. A person with the gift of mercy is able to sense which individuals are hurting and to share the pain with them. Alongside the pain, mercy sense the full scope of emotions. Paul wrote his, John wrote his first epistle to give joy and fellowship and hope and confidence and cast out fear and torment. He wanted, he wanted to help those people and boy, he did, amen. Read the book of First, first, first John is one of the most powerful books in your Bible. And it's, a, it's one to comfort and to heal and to help and to strengthen. And what he's doing, John, is a mercy. He's reaching into the innermost part of people, to the hurting parts of their life. And he's trying to help those people. Look at number three across the way there. Where is it at? Now here's, I want you to get this. Now you get this, okay? They'll be deeply loyal to friends, but their danger is taking offense for those friends. They have a deep need for relationships, but if they think careful, they become possessive of friends. Yeah. 
they can empathize with hurting people, but they have a tendency to tolerate sin and evil. And this is where your prophet will collide with the mercy. Let me show you what's going on in America right now. You have a lot of pastors who have the gift of mercy. And that's good. A pastor needs to have mercy. I don't care what his spiritual gift is. He needs to exercise mercy. Hang on to your seat. Young lady, he gets a call from some parent. Said, Reg, pastor, could you come over? He comes over. Said, we didn't want to talk to you this about church, but our daughter's expecting. She's not married. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you something. I don't know why, but God, I do know why. I just won't go into it right now. But I can have empathy and mercy for that girl. I can. Not hard for me at all. It doesn't mean I don't think she has a sin. Now, what I want to do is go get a gun, shoot the guy, and get that, get that taken care of. That's my prophet side. Where's the guy? Let's get him taken care of first, and we'll deal with her. That's, that's where my mercy and profit balances out. Amen. And then the girl, you know, a like, poor little thing. <clears throat> but what will happen is the mercy will go so overboard with that that it kind of slips into the church that that's okay after a while. And so then the girl walks in, she's expecting, and everybody's going, oh, that's wonderful. Let's have a baby shower for her. No, we're not having a baby shower. Sorry. Amen. We're not going to put that out as normal, acceptable, and okay. We're going to love her. Amen. I'm going to tell you, y'all give gifts to, to her to help her any way you can. Yeah. Buy her diapers. Amen. Do everything we can to help her. But we're not going to normalize it and say there's nothing wrong with it. Amen. Because it is called fornication. Amen. But we're going to love her. And I'll tell you what I do. And we're going to tell her, you come to church. Amen. And ain't nobody going to look at you cross-eyed. And we're going to love that girl. And we're going to love that baby. And we're going to help her. If she has a, I mean, if her folks or whatever, she can't tell you, I'm all, I would be, a, this where I'm at, I would be for helping her pay the doctor bill or whatever bills might come up. If she can't, I mean, I'm for helping her. Yeah. But I'm not for condoning and saying what you did is right. Amen. But what happens in churches is, and watch this, that comes in, well, it's, oh, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And anybody says anything, oh, you're being harsh. You poor, and they'll run over, then they pick up the offense. They said something about that poor little girl. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the whole church is busted up right. over their spiritual gift response to what's going on. Let me tell you nothing going on. My grandson claims he's a queer. You won't say it that way because you're already messed up. You'll say, well, our grandson says he's gay. Why don't you say it like it is? Your grandson's turned into a sodomite. Willful choice. He wasn't born that way. And don't say he was because you're lying out your stinking teeth. He wasn't born that way. He would born a sinner just like the rest of us. And he made a choice to go into that sin. 
But your grandson's gay, quote, according to you, you won't say sodomite. Some of you is already so programmed by this world to make me sick. And you say, well, I want, we need to have compassion on him. Yeah, tell him the truth. Tell him he's going to die and go to hell if he doesn't repent and get saved. But you know what they want to do now? These, these preachers that got this mercy are like, I don't know. I think they're hiding their cowardice under the gift of mercy, maybe. That's, that's my out view. Amen. And so, oh, we wouldn't want to say anything about that. Well, judge not that you be not judged. That's the only verse I know. Well, I do know Jesus turned water into wine. my two favorite verses in the Bible because it keeps me from being convicted about anything. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And so, well, who are you to judge? Who are you to say anything? Well, he wants to come to church next Sunday. Fine. Just let him know where we're at before he gets here. I don't want him to get too shocked. And he ain't coming in here and I'll have five men watching it, the little child molester. Right. Yeah. Amen. Sodomizers, child molesters. Put that in your book. They're child molesters. They'll lie to you and say, oh, we don't have interest in children. Yes, they do. They're invading every public school in America. For what reason? Because they're child molesters. They're groomers. For their filth, their perversion, their nastiness out of hell. But the mercies in church, well, you sin too. Their sin's no worse than your sin. Yeah, it is. Amen. The only sin you know of in the Bible where God burns cities up with sodomy. Yeah, that's right. God calls it an abomination. Amen. David committed adultery. God didn't blow Jerusalem out of the water. David had a man killed. And we'll tell you something about this sin. It's different than any sin. It destroys cultures and nations, and it's destroying this culture and this nation right now. And I'm telling you, but what we got going on all across America, if a preacher preaches against it, well, he's just harsh. He's unloving. He's unkind. He's judgmental. And this is the danger of mercy. Now, let me tell you, you say, Reggie, well, how do you handle it? I'll tell you how you handle it. You love them enough to tell them the truth. Charity rejoices in the truth. And if you won't tell your, quote, loved one who's, quote, gay, that they're on the road to hell and they need to turn and repent and stop it and they need to be gloriously saved and delivered from the darkness that they're in and they can be if they will be. No, no, no. They want you to accept that garbage. They, hey, up at Jerry Falwell's church, they had a staff member who was a queer and he, he, they, they kicked him out, whatever there. You know what he do, would do, uh, uh, brother? He'd come in every Sunday and stand in the, front, in, the, in the front pew and stand like this the whole service. In protest against the church's stand on sodomites. Now you ain't doing that here. You're going to sit down and listen to the word of God or you're going out. But you're not taking this church over with your filth and you're not because, and here's the thing, the mercies in here has got to say, well, Reggie was awful rough on him. No, it wasn't. Somebody needs to love him enough to tell him the truth. If you, if you love him, do you want him to die and go to hell? You're so spiritual. You're so holy. Why don't you tell him the truth? Why don't you read him 
25 or 30 passages of Scripture about what God says. If you do have mercy, would you reach out to them in genuine truth and say, listen, you must turn. I love you. Enough to tell you the truth. This is going to send you to hell. When are we going to get this, this stuff straightened out in our country? This abuse of mercy has taken over the churches of America where nothing's wrong with anything else anymore. And we hide it all under a pretense of unscriptural mercy. Tolerate sin and evil. We probably are going to finish this tonight because there's nine characteristics. Number four. A mercy will make decisions based on benefits. Those with the gift of mercy find it hard to be firm because they don't want to offend other people. Woo! Therefore, the mercy must see the greater hurt and offenses that will occur if he fails to be decisive. When John was faced with denying Jesus, he demonstrated boldness and decisiveness, which caused the Sadducees to marvel in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. And that's why it's so important. But what will happen is, Look up here on this next one, on the dangers of it, they'll fail to be firm. And this is, again, I, I, I have come to the place, it's weird. I have come to the place where I almost exalt and, and the importance of the gift of mercy more than any other gift. And yet, it is the gift that is so misused to destroy people's lives. It's like a quandary. And I'm telling you something right now. This, is, this, this works in your home. This works in your marriage. It works in your business place. It works everywhere you're at. And it is so important to get a hold of this. So what happens on this? They fail to be firm. When a person with the gift of mercy is given a position of leadership, he'll tend to avoid disciplinary action as needed. As a result, the person who should have been disciplined is not brought to repentance. And then the prophets react to their leadership and other mercies react to the prophets. And you have trouble. And what happens is everybody misusing their gift just causes everybody to be in turmoil until it just literally rips a body of believers apart. Number five. Number five. A mercy is deeply sensitive to loved ones. The gift of mercy carries with it the ability to sense genuine love. Therefore, it carries a greater vulnerability to deeper and more frequent hurts from those who fail to demonstrate sincere love. In his writings, the Apostle John used the word love more frequently than any other writer of the New Testament books. Now, I want to tell you, if you're a mercy here, get a hold of this. Because of the nature of your spiritual gift that God in heaven gave you, you have a tendency to pour your heart and your life into people because you care. I mean, you just, and this especially happens to new Christians. You got saved. Man, God put his love in you. And that spiritual gift of mercy started just pouring through your soul and you just wanted to reach out and help people and be a blessing to people and do what you could do to just, you, you know, you're not, you weren't looking for any fame or glam. You just wanted to be a blessing to people. And watch this. And you took your heart and you laid it out on the table of God's service to other people. 
And then somebody, some Christian probably, took a knife and just started slicing up your heart. And you got hurt in church. You were wounded in the house of your friends. You were hurt at church more than you were hurt in any other place in your life. By the very people that you loved, that you thought loved you. And, and your heart has just been ripped up. Now here's what you do. You grab the pieces that's left of your heart and you pull them back within your chest and you back away and you say, no one will ever hurt me like that again. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to go to church, but I'm not going to get involved. I'm never going to allow myself to get in a vulnerable position like that again. Doesn't mean I don't love the Lord. Doesn't mean I don't, I'm not saved. I ain't nobody ever hurt me like that again. And you can spend the rest of your life just like that, going like this, your entire life. There are people who've been married and they've gave their heart to their spouse. And their spouse chopped their heart to pieces. And that spouse has pulled their heart back into their chest of their soul. And they said, I'll, I'll do the dishes and I'll wash the clothes. And I'll keep the house clean. And I'll fix the meals. But I'm not going to let myself get ever again where I can be hurt like this. Or have you ever wondered, forgive me for just saying here, but have you ever wondered why so many young people in America nowadays, besides just the fleshly immorality of it, want to live together and not be married? Because they've watched their parents butcher each other to death with words and hurt one another. And if they didn't divorce, they just lived together and that's about it. And so I'm not doing that. I'm going to give myself an out. I'm not going to be locked into marital holy matrimony. I want to make sure that if I see the knife come out, I can get out. No fuss, no nothing. And the reason, now I'm not discounting just the immorality of spirit in this country. But I am saying that many people who are hurt then afterward make sure they, best they can, they cannot get hurt anymore. That decision, you see the needs to be met. But what happens is the misuse, you lean on emotions and reason. Because those with gift of mercy have such sensitive feelings, they tend to base their decisions on emotions rather than principles. 
then subjective reasoning can easily cause them to reject biblical doctrines that seem harsh to them. Do you know where the denominations and religions and stuff who don't believe in hell came from? It came from mercies. Who cannot believe that God would send anybody to hell. And so because of their, they, they, what, here's what they would say. In fact, a Jehovah Witness, trained Jehovah Witness will say to you, do you have children? They'll say, Ty, do you have kids? And you'll go, yeah. And you'll say, do you throw them in the fire because they disobey you? And what you'll say, well, no. And they'll say, well, neither does our Heavenly Father send us to hell because we disobey him. That's one of the Jehovah Witnesses' trained statements to get you led into false doctrine. Here's the problem with that statement. Unless you're born again by faith in Christ, who they do not believe is deity, you are not the child of God and he is not your father. That's right. That's right. That's the fact. It is true that a father would not throw his children into the fire. But if you're not saved, you're not a child. God is not your father. Okay. You see how they rest the scriptures and they work... How, what, how did they work that? They worked on your emotions. They worked on your human reasoning rather than the Word of God. It's, t- it's 11.54. You're all so good. I tell you, I, I'm tell you, I appreciate you being, we're, we're at number five. We're going to stop right there this morning. This different kind of service is a teaching message, but it won't hurt us. Amen. Anybody getting anything out of this at all besides me? Boy, I'll tell you what I needed. And I want, you to, I want you to ask something right now. We're going to stand and pray in just a minute, but let's pray that God would make us. Here's what I want. I want God, sister, to take the prophecy aspects, and I want him to balance it with the mercy of Jesus Christ. I tell you, if you want to see mercy demonstrated, you, you read the Gospels. You want to see mercy? I'll tell you something. That woman came in and, and fell at the feet of Jesus Christ and was washing his feet with the, and drying his feet with the hairs of her head. And they called back and said, he let a sinner touch him. <laughs> I'm glad I got a Savior. Amen. Let sinners reach out to him. What I want in this church and for all of our lives, because I know to help us, is for us to be balanced and scriptural. And to really understand that if I have mercy towards someone, I will, with genuine love and kindness, stand for the truth and speak the truth in love. Let's pray that God would give us mercy. Aren't you glad God's mercy is new every morning? Boy, I tell you, I need it. I don't know about you. I'm glad that God's mercy is great and it's manifold and it's rich. I'm glad that God had mercy on me. The only prayer I know about in the Bible about a saved man is when the man, them two men went to the temple. The man bowed his head and smote his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He understood salvation. Salvation is through mercy. Not by our works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. I want to give you this book out. How does God have mercy and still be just? toward a wicked sinner like me. He punished his son in my place. And my sin 
was placed upon Jesus. And so my sin was paid for. God was just. And through that justice, he could give me his mercy. Mercy is not, the mercy of God and salvation, not just him going, oh, that's okay. Uh Uh-uh. All of my sin was paid for in Christ. And God is just and the justifier of him that believeth on him. I know I ain't hollered and run and fell over and jumped and everywhere this morning, but I think sometimes the water needs to run still and deep. Amen. Amen. And I'll tell you something I want to say to this church. I not only thank God for his mercy, I thank God for your mercy toward me. And I want you to know that. This church has been merciful to me. I thank you for loving me when it was easier to hate me. For forgiving me when it would have been easier to hold it against me. And I need his mercy and I need your mercy. And I want to tell you something else. My prayer is that I'll have mercy toward you. When something goes wrong in your life and you've made a bad decision. That I won't just throw you out. With, out of my life, out of my realm of love, but that I have mercy towards you. And I, I do think I have a certain level of mercy, but it just don't come easy for me. Love you in the Lord. Let's stand together.